Welcome to the ITSM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for worldwide ITSM professionals. Learn more at theitsmreview.com. Welcome to the ITSM Review Podcast, podcast number six. I'm Barclay Ray and I'm going to talk to you today about a very exciting development in the ITSM uh, world, uh, which is the uh, emerging and emergent ITO Manifesto. And I'm delighted to say that I'm joined today. My guest today is uh, Rob Spencer, who's uh, been an absolutely central figure uh, in getting this off the ground. Uh, welcome, Rob. Hi, Barclay. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, you're very welcome here. Um, we'll talk in a second about that and a little bit about you, your ITSM uh, experience, journey, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm just going to kick off with a couple of things, though, just that are happening in the IT- ITSM world at the moment. ITO Manifesto is something that's happened over the last five or six weeks. It's been really exciting. We'll, we'll talk about that. I suppose in, in other areas, we're, we're sort of waiting to see what's going to happen. New things are going to be coming out. Um, to me, it feels like we've been waiting for a while now, but hopefully we'll see some new stuff coming out from Axelos and, and, and others on uh, you know, new initiatives, new ideas. Um, did notice in the media that there was a point about the uh, ITIL exams the actual numbers of them dropping a little bit, so that must be a little bit of a concern uh, to the likes of Axios. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's an interesting time, I think. Lots of things potentially happening, and particularly on the vendor space, everybody's really jostling for position. Uh, it seems to be new vendors all the time still coming on board, and others reinventing themselves. So, for example, BMC have rebranded, uh, and... They've just, uh, as we're speaking, running a, a, a big conference. Fortunately, they seem to be embroiled in a bit of a legal battle with uh, ServiceNow at the moment, which doesn't help the industry, but um, these things happen. We've had the Gartner event and also Fusion uh, in Washington, which is probably by the time this goes out will we'll, we'll be over, but uh, it's, it's a couple of days away. Unfortunately, I was hoping to get there this year, but didn't manage it, but it looks like a great event, lots of uh, top people in ITSM going there. So, um, And the other one, the, the big one coming up in the UK is the ITSMF UK conference, uh, which I'll be at and many others. And I'm delighted to say that uh, my guest today, Rob, uh, will be part of a presentation to discuss and present what's happened with, with ITIL manifesto. So uh, let, let's go into that now and, and um, as I say, welcome my um, guest. Uh, Rob, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, you're out there talking about release and, and change and, and getting involved with ITIL, defining it. What's where, where have you come from in the industry? What's your what's your experience? Sure. So uh, I started back in the early 2000s working in in release management um, for finance companies and public sector, and got exposed to ITIL v2, which um, which I did, but uh, I didn't really follow too closely. And it wasn't until I moved into more of a contracting slash consulting role um, kind of later in the 2000s that I really started paying a bit more attention to ITIL V3 as it was then and got still kind of mostly in the in the change and release space. And uh, I ended up currently working for, for an EU government agency um, at the moment and having done a bit of work around change and release there to, to settle the processes down and, and get them working. Uh, they asked me to hang about and get involved with uh, things like problem management, service desk, and uh, CSI, etc. So uh, mainly, mainly transition focused, but a, a little bit of exposure to some other areas. And I believe you're on the ITSMF transition SIG team as well. 
Yeah, um, I actually used to work with, with Richard Horton um, at, the, at NIHR um, kind of a, a few years ago. Uh, and in fact, I was release manager there when there was no change manager and uh, Richard was, was moving roles. So, um, so he moved into the, change, into the change management role. I worked with him for a little while there. And then uh, when I caught up with him a couple of years later, um, uh, I, he, he, he talked me into joining the SIG. Uh, and then at the time, uh, I think Vaughan's needed to step down. So uh, Richard asked for volunteers for people to just step in and help vice chair and uh, I put my name forward uh, just to help him out for a little while. Good stuff. So I mean just a question, a sort of general question about I suppose ITIL V3 and you know that whole cycle approach and particularly if you're in, in working in release management I mean how are you finding that in organizations are they are they really engaging with it are they are they are they following it as, as it has been prescribed? Well it's an interesting one because um, I've been I've been release manager in about probably 12 different organizations since V3 Flat, maybe, maybe slightly fewer than that. Um, and I've done 12 completely different things uh, in that time, still with the title of release manager. So some organizations treat it kind of more towards what I feel say, but, but for others I'm half project manager, half environment manager, two-thirds test manager, um, and, and quite a few different things. So I don't think many places that I've um, seen so far do it do it quite and, and that real focus on releasing deployment management. It, in idle terms, I guess it's usually a mix of releasing deployment and transition planning and support with a with a good measure of change management thrown in as well. Interesting. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I I talk to organisations or I'm in organisations and they all, as you say, they all have a pretty different take. I, I suppose that's that's not a bad thing. That's probably the way that we thought it would end up. That you know, adopt and adapt. But I suppose it would be nice to know that there was some constants in there. I mean, can you can you pull out anything that you would say would you know has been a common element across those twelve different organisations? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things. There's only there's only so many ways you can get from I want to release to to deploying release and we've delivered it. Um, so the processes don't tend to change that much. What I've noticed is that a lot of organisations tend to do tend to separate their their change process from their kind of release governance process. And the release governance process more often tends to follow a more of a project management type gateway methodology. But everyone has, everyone has, so far has had a production cab, a production gateway, which is more of an approval board than an advisory board. And, and everyone um, so far wants, wants the benefits of, of predictable and, and stable releases that, that just work uh, and that don't fail and don't have to be backed out and don't cause mayhem on, on you know, the following Monday. I mean, are there any elements in terms of essential aspects of readiness or essential organizational elements that need to be in place that you've, that you've observed? Uh, everyone approaches it very differently uh, and the responsibilities can lie in vastly different places. Um, so for the readiness, um, some, some organizations will have it very much on the project side, which I think sometimes could be a conflict of, conflict of interests, uh, and others have it very much centered in, in the ops space um, and act as, as, as receivers. There's almost as a as a standard. You, you you get the the basic things of can we monitor it? Can we back it up and restore it? Can we do we do we know how to take calls for it? But after that point, the the quality and the and the you know, the, the variability goes goes kind of through the roof. I suppose a particular kind of hobby horse of mine is that is that one that you mentioned. You know, can we support it? Can we take calls? Are we have we involved the support operation? Do they know what to expect? Is that always there, or does that vary as well? 
It varies. I mean, it, it depends, I guess, depending on the size of the release. So the big project deliveries usually have come with that project governance and, and have it anyway. So there's usually someone doing that kind of old school service introduction role. There's somebody uh, who, who's planning or as part of the project there, maybe planning a formal kind of OAT phase, operational acceptance test, where we'll have uh, rehearsals and dry runs to the support model. And in one of the kind of the pre-production type environments, they'll be looking to, to check they can back up and restore or check they can kind of respond to kind of the major predictable types of outage and some of the, some of the random ones, as well as doing your normal kind of regression test packs and your, and your performance testing. Sure. I guess it depends on, on the impact of the business. Tiny releases don't tend to get much attention. Probably, probably arguably they should do. The, the tiniest conflict change can cause absolute mayhem, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, absolutely. I just was visiting a service desk the other day that uh, seemed to be victim to <laughs> a lot of uh, unpreparedness uh, around around uh, new service releases. Anyway, okay, I mean, that's that's interesting stuff. We're here today to talk particularly about this this new initiative and basically it's what comes out of a conversation on Twitter really so there was uh, you know an Englishman an Irishman a Scotsman and a few others on on Twitter um, myself included uh, Stuart Rance Claire Agatha and, and others bumbling away as we do and and somehow or some some way we we sparked something off that said you know we need to get a simpler more accessible, just shorter, you know, brevity being the word um, access. I, I think there was some point about, you know, do we really need 2,000 pages of, of stuff for this? And within, really within a day or, or, or two, there, w there was this sort of groundswell going um, of, you know, we need to, we let's do this in a viral communal way. Let's start contributing and voting, and 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 really the driving force behind that has 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 been yourself. So, tell me, you know, from your perspective, and we'll obviously add, you know, in terms of notes to this, you know, how people can access it and so on, and maybe you can mention that as well. But you know, just give me it from your perspective. How did how did this happen? How did you suddenly get involved in this? So it was um, I mean, a fortune. I think I was I, I was I was kind of checking on checking on Twitter um, during a quiet spell, uh, and I saw this conversation um, sparking up and. I hadn't realised at that point that, that Claire had already mentioned the Agile Manifesto, um, and and I was so I was reading through it and reading through the last stage of the conversation, and I and I was thinking I was thinking well actually this this sounds like the kind of thing that that a manifesto would kind of address. So I can't remember who it was me or someone else who, who said it, and someone some you know someone else chipped in you know are you serious do you want to run this and uh, and I think you know the idea grew from there. So I think the idea initially, we started on a Google document, which we very quickly outgrew because of the sheer number of edits and suggestions coming in. And then I stumbled across this site called tricider.com, which allows you to suggest ideas. So anyone can suggest any idea, anyone can vote on any idea, and anyone can add pro and con arguments for any idea. And we left that running for about two to three weeks, gathered a, a, a huge, a huge amount of um, really valuable material about 100, 607 ideas. Um, and it, it also told us which of the topics that, that people were really interested in. So I think we, we ended that one. I pulled the data off and, and tried to organize it uh, in such a way that we could then start working out what the themes were. Um, and then I think yourself and, and a few others um, did some good work to start to categorize them and group those uh, ideas together into, into themes. And we're just at the phase now where I've just published the groupings and a, a few kind of summary stats to see what people think about those themes and what the content is. Anyone listening at the moment, what just just 
you know, what's the what's the URL for for finding that? So there's a conversation on the Back to ITSM Google uh, Google Plus group. I've also set up a wiki at wikia.com, which is a hosted wiki service, which I think was maybe a slight mistake because wikia.com seems to host mainly gaming and social kind of content. So if you haven't got adblock enabled, you might see some quite surprising adverts. But the main kind of content on wikia is idle-manifesto.wikia, that's w-i-k-i-a.com. And that will take you to a little home page giving you a bit of a summary and some links to the data gathered in the first two rounds. And, and, and the, the, the principle behind this is it's been entirely community-led, viral, just, just collaborative in, in that way that we always talk about, you know, how we, how we should be doing things. But it is about identifying some clear, simple principles and statements about clarify. So it's about I, it's about what ITIL should be, or it's about what we what we'd like it to yeah, be. Yeah, I think you I think you said it best, um, Barker. I think one of, in one of the conversations we had, and I put onto the onto the slide pack. I think you said it was the it was that simple list of first principles that that ITIL never had. Yeah. Um, so. And I think it can be several things. It can be a, a bit of a check and balance. Um, like, you know, when you get into the situation where you think we're going through the, onto the fourth page of metrics now, but actually, did we stop to ask the customer what they wanted? And it's a bit of a promotion or a sales tool. If somebody's, if somebody's straw manning an argument to say, oh, we don't, you know, we, we can't do ITIL because that just advocates crazy amounts of metrics. And well, actually, no, 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 it doesn't. It, it's all those things. I certainly have for some time wanted something like this and in fact when Access was formed my submission to them I, I, which is still public but I, I, I really wanted to have a, a set of principles defined uh, and, and you know to be honest with Axelos there have been a lot of discussions around that we, and, and I got involved with defining some value propositions and all those kind of things but this is really sort of practitioner led that's saying here's what we think it would be and, and I remember the first couple being you know it should be about defining what's right for business and customer outcomes rather than processes and you know it, it's all that some of it's carried on from the things that were in the SM manifest uh, whatever it was called last last year SM Con Congress Con I, was. I was there I should know but you know did, and, and I think a lot of people have been trying to do or think about this sort of thing for a long time I mean for me if you're talking about sales if I'm sitting talking to sales uh, a CIO and, and as I have many times over the last few years where they've kind of one guy said to me a year or two back, he said, you know, okay, okay so what, what are the principles of ITIL? You know, what, what are the key elements? And, and you know, think, you think on your feet and you came up with something. And you, but afterwards I was thinking, well, actually, you know, I, I kind of invented them there. And I'm sure that's what everybody does in those meetings. They, they came up with a, a series of ideas or, or, or statements or, or principles that they think is right are right and that apply but you know we should have something like that as a sort of central core anyway I think and it should be accessible it, you shouldn't have to be plowing through thousands of pages of you know stream of consciousness to, to find them they should they should be in relief and I'm not saying that 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 those thousands of pages aren't valuable I'm just saying that we should have something in front of all that that says these are the key principles
Uh, and I'm really delighted the way that this is this kind of developed in in this way that people like myself and Stuart and others have have contributed to. But we're kind of standing back a little bit from just letting everybody get on with it. Yeah, that, that's one thing I've, um, I've 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 kind of really admired. It's there's there's some you know yourself included. There's some there's some kind of very powerful, very experienced voices in in the IT system community. And I think that yourself and and Stuart and a lot of the other guys have been very conscious that. That some of the people who who still have the experience but haven't been very active or haven't been very vocal, um, they they need to have that voice as well. Um, so I think we, we we've got a, we've got quite a nice mix um, of kind of some of the the experienced and and kind of quite um, quite powerful voices and some of the the newer ones who uh, who haven't really been exposed to it much recently. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, you, you talked about um, those kind of two thousand pages and and that's one of the main things. And I think with the manifesto. Well, coming back to the 2,000 pages, I think it's it's quite easy as well to be dogmatic when you're faced with so much material that all or that most of it interlinks. And and, and I know ITIL talks a lot about adopt and adapt, it's a, and it's a great principle. But sometimes I think people run into trouble when they try and adopt and adapt a little bit too much, and it starts to lose those links with the other bits that are inside it. And I think that a manifesto with a series of principles could help just refocus on on kind of the core that's important, and then allow you to adopt and adapt around it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, from the existing um, output, there, there are very few. I remember being at a conference a few years ago in, in the Middle East, and uh, Ivor McFarlane was there, and we had this kind of conversation. And then, and, and then actually, in his presentation, Ivor got up and did his. He did his simple principles, and it was, you know, it was a fifty-second, you know, the incident is this, problem is this, and and and. This is what we're trying to achieve, and it was it was great. But it, I, I remember afterwards we were sort of talking about it, and, and it was almost like, well, you know, we we should we should have this stuff. It, sh it should be out there. We shouldn't, you know. And, and whether we're doing it retrofitting it or not doesn't matter now. I'm just pleased that we are actually progressing it. So, so I mean, just following on from that, and and the really great progress, and and you know, I think on behalf of. If I may be so bold, you know, on behalf of the industry, I mean, you know, what you've done so far has been a fantastic contribution, and, and, and thank you for that. The question is, what happens next? Two questions, really. One is, what's what's the involvement of Axelos in this? What, because they are involved, although they have been around Kaimar in particular. But yeah. I mean, what's your take on that? Yeah. So um, I think Axelos have been great because I think they're they're keen to hear what the community has to say. So they've helped us promote it. They they they're quite happy for us to, to go away and discuss it. They haven't tried to steer the content at all, um, and uh, I think they're very keen to hear what what we're going to say. So obviously they haven't made a, a statement saying, "Yep, whatever you come up with is the core of ITIL v4 v5." Um, no, I mean they, 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 I think they're going to wait quite sensibly, going to wait and see what what comes out of it, and see how much engagement and how much backing it gets. Um, but I think they they are keen to to see what comes out of it. It does fit with their, you know, their concept of of the onion, if if you've seen that, you know, which is that there's several layers of maturity or or whatever you want to call it. Right at the core is is the core material, but there's things that come in at different levels that start to build that and eventually move into the core. I would hope that this would be certainly within within that and and, and moving into the centre because if there is going to be an ITO four or ITO five or whatever, then it's it, it's to me, it's got to be really, you know, there's no point rewriting those two and a half thousand pages. We've got to have something that's simple and accessible, um, and and that you can build upon. I mean, I think that's the thing. Is is we 
the way it has been written in the past, you mentioned it was all in, interconnected. Well, it, it is and it, and it isn't. I mean, it was written by different people with not a huge amount of coordination and, and you know, Sharon and, and, and her team did their best, but I mean, it did all come together, her, you know, in, in a way that when V3 first came out, it didn't always tie up. And, and I think that's a problem for people is, is how they see the big picture. I would really like to be able to just see one simple very high level map and, and then others that you can apply and, and use and that these principles then you know sort of plug into so I mean I hope they do I hope they do follow that up what about in the short term then I mean gonna have a session at the ITSMF conference in the UK yeah we've been lucky enough um, to to blag a 45 minute uh, session where one didn't exist I think we've made a space where there, where there was none and we've got 45 minutes to talk about to kind of play back what we've got so far to show people the material because uh, there's quite a lot of material and, and it maybe needs a little bit of talking over and then to ask kind of what next you know several ideas that that i'm and yourself and other people have had but we need to we need to work out what what we want to do with this now and actually go from having a grouped mass of ideas to actually creating and crafting and distilling a an actual set of principles for a manifesto okay well i mean i i, I hope People will come along to the session because I mean I've seen the, the slide deck. It's got good stuff on it and interesting stuff, you know, in terms of voting and, and, and the the various groupings that you've got. One thing I really do want to see is is that it does progress because I mean I, you know, I, I'm probably a veteran of quite a number of these kind of initiatives over the years that have come to nothing one way or another. SM Congress being the yeah. being the last of those. So, you know, something particularly that is so kind of, that has come through so many, you know, that people have contributed to and it's been positive and practical. I think that's the other thing is it has had that kind of practicality of a website and content people contributing to it that made it worthwhile. I really hope that that does take hold and that, that people like Axelos do actually pick up on it. Yeah, I mean, that, that practicality, I guess, is the key. It's, it's, it's pragmatism rather than fanaticism. And it's been, uh, in, in terms of kind of keeping it going, I'm, I'm obviously trying to, trying to get a fine line between, uh, between leaving enough space in each, each phase or each round or each kind of activity to let enough people kind of engage, find out, oh, kind of, you know, what's going on, how do I get involved, uh, and letting it drag on too long so that people get bored and, and lose interest. Yeah, absolutely. It just needs that continual activity to make it actually live and real and, and, and then and then we draw a line and produce something that is practical before we're on ITIL 8 or, or whatever. Yeah. I always said ITIL 8 or ITIL 9 would be a pill that you just gave to technical people and they became suddenly intuitively customer focused. Um, that sounds so amazing. So we didn't have all this process stuff, you know, we didn't need all that, we just, they just became empowered. Anyway, okay, um, Rob, thank you very much. Uh, I think we'll get you back on in, in a few months' time to see what the progress is on that. Uh, I hope to speak to others uh, that have been involved, the likes of Claire and so on, but also Corner Kaimar and his band of merry men to say, right, well, what's what's happening with us? What, what are we going to get done? How, how is it going to actually produce something? Because that's the real test is, is that it actually becomes something. I think already it is something really practical, and, and I think you know more and more of these kind of, viral practical things are, are are useful yeah okay well thank you for joining me and good luck with that we'll, we'll see you at the at the conference thank you very much nice nice to talk to you and thank you for listening we'll speak to you very soon on the itism review podcast thank you thank you